welcome oh welcome back this is talking shit with deja where we drop the eye because not only can i talk my shit but i want you to talk your shit too hope you are having a lovely week you know what i am because why baby we at episode number 20 yay yay <laughs> that's crazy y'all like week 20 episode 20 it's crazy to think that just like what it was four months ago my birthday i started this podcast and now i'm like 20 episodes in like lucky i feel like i'm doing a little something or whatever you know i ain't gonna feel really established until i get to episode 100 but you know gotta start somewhere and baby we at 20 yes this has been you know what's crazy is this has been like the longest thing i've done consistently in a while and it's so beautiful but i do make sure not to skip anything period but it's like this has been the longest thing i've done consistently in a while like since i graduated school and had to go to school or work i guess work maybe but eh. You know, something I actually enjoy doing, something I love doing. I'm, I've been 20 weeks consistent with this. Like, that's crazy, y'all. 20. But yes, so like I mentioned last week at the end, you know, and if you didn't catch it, go watch it. The hell? No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> like I mentioned at the end of last week, this week, I want to talk about defense mechanisms. Yes, defense mechanisms. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because I feel like today there's a lot of people in defense mode. Like they don't even come to the table offensive at all. They come ready to defend. But I think it's due to a whole bunch of trauma going around that's being unprocessed, unhealed, and all this other stuff. So it's like you you have no choice but to come to the table defensive because you're not healing or going like working through any of the trauma that has come into your life. So you're just like ready to fight everybody that comes into your into your life. And it's like, put your put your fist down. We don't want to fight. <laughs> I promise you, we don't want to fight. But um, yeah, so I just want to present, you know, different defense mechanisms that come up in life so that, you know, maybe you can identify your defense mechanisms. Maybe you can identify other people's defense mechanisms to maybe help them to, you know, see that they're not really handling stuff in the appropriate manner. And But, you know, you definitely have to learn this stuff for you because everything starts in-house. You have to know that how you're defending yourself and why you even feel the need to have to defend yourself. So I just want to present some different mechanisms that show up in life so you can kind of catch it when you're doing it too much. Because really defense mechanisms is when you're not up. Let me just go through the definition and read the whole definition and then we'll paraphrase or whatever. But you know, that's what that's what we're going to talk about today is those defense mechanisms. So let's get this video started, uh, this podcast started. Um, and so we're going to start with the definition because I was about to tell y'all, but I want to read it verbatim and then kind of get my little spin on it. But so it says that defense mechanisms are unconscious psychological responses that protect people from feelings of anxiety, 
threats to self-esteem, and things that they don't want to think about or deal with. In a sense of your brain, she like to be a-okay. So anything that comes into your life that makes you not a-okay, she ready to fight about it. So defense mechanisms are your brain's trying, like your brain's way of trying to fight whatever stressful situation may be coming into your life or whatever anxiety, which is anxiety is usually opposed around like future stuff or the thoughts of other people around you or things of that nature. It's helping you to defend yourself in a sense from those things. So it's your first line of defense is your brain coming up with using defense mechanisms and then it says, while defense mechanisms are often thought of as negative reactions, we all need them to temporarily ease stress and protect self-esteem during critical times, allowing us to focus on what is necessary at the moment. So because it is your first line of self-defense, I think sometimes, especially because there's so many different ones and some of them are very rude and <laughs> not the healthiest so sometimes we can think that defense mechanisms are bad but it really is it's your brain trying to protect you now is it protecting you in the right way all the time probably not but is it protecting you nonetheless yes so it's not always bad but there are ones that are really bad and maybe you should try doing different defense mechanisms and not doing the bad ones because there surprisingly there are some healthy ones that you know we actually kind of lean on and so there that would be those ones that we want to rely on more than the negative ones so uh what on the website because y'all know i like my websites <laughs> but on the website it it says that well okay on the website there's 20 mechanisms we're gonna go over all 20 but the way that i'm gonna break it up is by like 10 and 10. so the first 10 are gonna be our key mechanisms that most people kind of gravitate towards in general. Those are the ones that come up the most for everybody. And then the last 10 is just going to be some other common ones. It's not key ones that we rely on, but it's some that show up still within life that you may have seen elsewhere or you may do yourself. So we're going to go over all 20. Um, but yeah, let's start with the first one so that we can get this thing started and not drag it out super long but um yeah so the first one that we're going to go over is displacement displacement <laughs> so it says that displacement is taking feelings out on others in a sense of you felt some type of way and you didn't address whatever was felt. So you end up taking it out on others in a sense of displacing it in the wrong place. So what they, uh, the example that they used was um, if you went to work or whatever, and then say you got into 
a confrontation or something with maybe your boss or a coworker, instead of, you know, kind of processing those emotions, going through those emotions with that person who you had a problem with, you now like say you're on your way home and somebody cuts you off. Well, you're more likely to snap at them, like roll down the window and cuss them out or honk the horn real loud or whatever. So you're displacing your, your frustrations or your angers to that person. So, well, I mean, kind of cut with cutting you off, like, that's kind of placed in the right place. But, you know, they definitely didn't deserve the anger. The person at work deserved to know how they made you feel instead of you just holding it in. And now you're passing it along to other people that don't necessarily deserve it. So, like, how I wanted to kind of explain this and um, go through it was there was a interview with Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin. Um, and they were having a conversation and a dialogue, but you, where I seen like the displacement was at in that uh, interview was when they were talking about, well, how Nikki was talking about, well, Miss Giovanni, because I can't call her Nikki. I don't know this lady, but how Miss Giovanni was talking about how, you know, she want, she would love if her man came home and pretended like he did at work in a sense of she was explaining how the, the Black man would go to work and maybe frustrated or whatever from, you know, the because this was back back in the day, it, the white man or whatever. She was like, he would get upset at the white man and upset with the coworkers and things of that nature. But he did not express it while he was there. So he would come home and take it out on like the black woman. So she was just like, I wish you would just come home and fake it with me like you do with them. In the sense of you didn't you didn't address anything at work but then you come home and take the anger out on me. And I, I don't necessarily know if that was the case for a lot of women back in the day, but I, I would imagine that because racism was so like lit back in the day, a lot of people probably had a lot of displaced anger. A lot of people, even probably now, some people probably have displaced anger um, when it comes to racism in a sense of like, you're not addressing the person that actually came at you or made you feel some type of way, you're now passing along that anger or whatever to somebody else who doesn't deserve that. So that's what displacement looks like. But even like in today's time, I'm sure it shows up in many other places outside of racism. Anytime that somebody has made you feel some type of way or like, yeah, made you feel some type of way and you didn't address that with them, have a conversation with them, but you passed along that anger to somebody else, like you were displacing your emotions. It's misdirected. You should have been having that conversation with the person that actually inflicted those feelings upon you, not taking it out on somebody else. I know probably for a lot of spouses or like significant others, they probably go through this a lot, um, is displaced emotions. So that's the first one to look out for. If you're somebody who maybe displaces your anger, maybe 
think about having a conversation with the person that actually inflicted the the emotions on you in the first place. You know, figure out a way to go through the emotions healthily, healthily, that's not a word, I don't know, but in the right way rather than placing the emotions onto somebody else because that was not for them, you know? Um, I personally don't recall if I've ever displaced my emotions. I'm sure I probably have, and I, I may be more cognizant of it now, but um, off the top of my head, I can't think of like being upset with somebody and passing it along. Oh, well, no. I feel like I probably do that. Well, no, I'm way better now. Now I let people know what's on my brain, but probably back in the day, when you couldn't really talk to your parents or tell your parents what was wrong with you because, you know, there wasn't that open line of communication. I feel like that's probably where a lot of children learn how to displace anger is when you don't have the open line of communication to tell your parents your grievances. Then you take it out on everybody else. Low key, that might be why bullying is a thing, is displacement. Because sometimes people say that, you know, bullies bullies are likely to be bullied at home or something along the lines of that. And then they'll go to school and bully the people at school um, and treat them how maybe uh, siblings or parents are treating them. So I feel like displacement, you learn really early um, because you don't learn how to have that direct communication line of communication with the person that inflicted the the emotions upon you so if you know you're you're a displaced type of person just have that conversation and if you don't have that conversation figure out a way to to get those emotions out help like in a better manner you know because it's not healthy um so next we're going to talk about denial so it says denial is denying that something exists. Yeah. And then it says it's used often to describe situations in which people seem unable to face reality or admit an obvious truth. While it may temporarily shield you from anxiety or pain, denial also requires a substantial investment of energy. Because of this, other defenses are used to help keep this unacceptable feeling from conscious awareness. And then I added in like a little caveat in a sense of from reading on the website, it was explaining how a person may accept the situation, but they don't necessarily accept their responsibility in the situation. So I said lack of accountability can lead to denial as well. And I, of course, I had to bring up the buzzword because, you know, everybody love accountability. But, you know, I think when people lack accountability, it's because they're in denial. Like, you don't want to take responsibility for the part that you had to play in it. And you deny that anything had anything to do with you. Like, and it's like, that's that's not okay. And it's not healthy. The quicker... I honestly think the quicker you just say that you played a part in it, the quicker you can move on and do something different. But if you don't ever accept the reality that you played a part in why you ended up in certain situations, all you're going to do is be bound to make the same mistake again. 
I think like with denying certain things, you and you could possibly end up in the same situation. And what like are you gonna deny the situation every time it comes up? Or are you gonna finally accept the reality of it so that you can avoid come like running into these things again? Like I do know for probably those stronger events, some people may forget. I want to say it said like some abuse people like have to for like I don't think they force themselves to forget, but they don't want to accept the fact that it happened. But maybe because of shame or judgment or whatever the case may be, you don't accept that the event occurred. And I just think that it hinders you from healing and processing and getting to a, another phase in your life because you're not accepting reality. So I think denial, and it says like denial is one of the most common uh, defense mechanisms, which would make sense because some people like to think that, you know, if if I don't place energy into certain things, then they never happen and I could just move on. The thing about it is, is that they happened and they're gonna affect your behavior because though you may not wanna believe that they happened, it's now gonna change probably how you interact with people or do things with certain people. And again, like you may end up in the same situation all over again, just for the simple fact that you did not accept reality. Um, I know denial shows up I want to say it's one of the steps in grieving uh, when you don't want to believe that somebody has passed away or left out of your life. It's, it's, it's really, it's really, it really can take a toll on you though. Cause if, if you never accept that reality, I, I think that it genuinely hinders you from moving forward. So I think the quicker you can accept reality, the the more likely it is for you to be able to process emotions and go for it. So that's denial. If you deny things and don't accept reality, take a take a trip inside and figure out, you know, why are you running away from your truth? Like, is it because of judgment? Is it because of shame? Is it because of guilt? Is it because of, you know, these big, heavy emotions that we get when, when certain things present themselves in our lives? Because if you're denying it because of those things or like, you know, with somebody leaving out of your life, just not wanting to believe that it's real, running away from reality, like why? Because honestly, it's not helping you, it's hurting you. So figure out that. And then... If you come across people that are in denial, which I feel like people nowadays, they don't let you get, with these defense mechanisms, I don't think nobody gonna let you slide, period. But you know, if you do run into somebody with that deals with denial or they use denial as defense mechanism, try to explore like why they don't believe that it happened or why they, run away from the truth because then you get down to the real nitty gritty and then you can start helping them to process. So that's denial. So next it says, um, oh, next is repression. 
repression. Um, so it says it's unconsciously keeping unpleasant information from your conscious mind. In a sense of your mind is blocking out stuff that it may have caused you extreme trauma, may have harmed you. Like, like I said, your brain is fighting whatever you're unable to handle stress-wise or emotion-wise. So I know with repression, I think that some people who go through really traumatic experiences don't even remember. Like, I don't necessarily know if the reason why I don't remember majority of my childhood is from repression. Well, not majority, but there's a lot of things I don't remember. I don't necessarily know if it's from repression because I don't recall if it was like stressful events or whatever the case may be, but your brain will hide stuff, especially if you did not handle it well. Like if once that thing happened to you, you did not handle it well worth a shit, your brain will bury it and you will not remember it. But something could trigger it in a sense of, say if you got into maybe a car accident possibly, and after what you didn't remember where the car accident happened or, you know, something of that nature, like you forgot bits and pieces of the car accident or who was driving or who was responsible or stuff like that. Maybe when you drive past the scene, something triggers in your brain and that causes, you know, a reaction. So it's like your brain is pushing down the information, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And so it's a little bit different to denial in the sense of you're not even really cognizant that you're missing information because your brain is over here doing its own thing. So you're not trying to not accept reality. Your brain is just like, girl, when you when that happened, you almost had a heart attack or died or something. So I just want to keep that away from you. So yeah, that's repression. I don't necessarily know if that one comes up a lot for people. I feel like people who may have had like really bad abusive childhoods, that could be a thing. But how would you really even figure out if somebody is repressed or not? Because your brain is hiding it away. I guess maybe if you have triggers, but then you have to be able to have a community around you or people around you that you can have these conversations with to see if somebody can confirm something. Because I would imagine triggers probably reveals bits and pieces. Um, but it, you're gonna need somebody around you that's gonna be able to confirm or deny that something happened. So repression is kind of hard to kind of see like if other people express it around you or if you have it yourself. But I would say that in those bigger traumatic events, repression may happen. Um, but next is gonna be suppression, which is a little differently, uh, uh, a little differently, a little different than repression in that you're forcing your brain to forget about stuff. So I would say it's denial, but now you're forcing your brain to forget about it. Well, no, no, it's not denial. Disregard that. <laughs> 
So you accept it. No. Okay. So I meant to say it's the opposite of denial in the sense of you accepted the the situation happening, but now you just want to get it out your brain. Like you don't want to remember it at all. Um, and it says that suppression consciously keeping unpleasant information from your conscious mind. So you're choosing to keep information from out of your mind. And I honestly think that a lot of people online, well, some part of the online people or content creators, they suppress. Like a lot of people suppress in that like they accepted the situation, but they don't want to remember it ever again. Like, so <laughs> gotta go back to the manosphere people or like that side of the internet. It seemed like a lot of them suppressed stuff. Like they accepted it, but they just like, I don't want to ever think about that ever again. Or I like, and I think that's why they literally try to set up their life or plan out their life to where they never have to come into a situation like that ever again because they don't want to have to remember what they went through because it was so traumatic that you know they don't want to ever go through that again so they suppress a lot and that's not healthy because if you you try to get rid of it that don't mean that it went anywhere and you probably didn't deal with the situation like you should have um I know like when it comes to dating and stuff we don't necessarily ever go back to the people that hurt us and actually read them for filth. <laughs> like, I feel like it would do us some good if we could talk to exes or old people in our lives and be able to heal some of the traumas that have come up with old people. Do I think that that's possible for everybody? Probably not. But if you can go back to older people and go through certain events and figure out why it happened that way or what what was the state of mind or something like that so that you can heal and move forward, that's so helpful than just being like, I'm just going to forget that ever happened and I'm going to set up my life so that it never happens again. Like, Because all that's going to happen, in my opinion, is that you're probably going to repeat it's probably gonna be a different mistake, but it's gonna be a mistake nonetheless. I just think that you're gonna mess up in a different way because with suppression, I feel like you're not handling stuff healthily. You're like moving to avoid instead of, I don't even know how to describe it, but you're just trying to act like it. Well, I ain't gonna say you're trying to act like it never happened, but Loki, you trying to act like that it never happened but it did happen i don't know how to explain it you know because it's like like i said it's the opposite of denial so you accepted it but then you're trying to like set up your life so that it never happens ever again and that's not reality like anything can happen more than once so deal with it like go through it express those emotions and then like too for those dudes like i feel like they get to tell the story now online so that's a sense of getting it out there to the world but for some of these like men that they're speaking to and telling them like these different things they're probably not even well some of them probably are not even telling people that it actually happened 
So they're them and the girl are probably the only one that knows it happens. And then he's pushing it outside of his brain. So he's not really dealing with the emotions that came with stuff like that. And that's just not healthy. So like suppression, if you have come across people that like to suppress things, that that's not healthy and call them out on it. Or if you yourself suppresses things, that's never been something I battled with. I don't ever just try to get stuff out of my brain. I I honestly, I think because I'm like an empath or whatever, you, I feel everything. So that's never been one that I had to battle with. But it's out there, y'all. It's out there. Um, next, is call, uh, next is sublimation. So it's called, well, no, it's not called. The definition of sublimation or what it is is converting unacceptable impulses into more acceptable outlets. So on the website, it said that sublimation is actually one of the healthy ones um, in that you convert the bad energy or the badness or, <laughs> yeah, give me, give me grace for not having <laughs> language right now. But <laughs> You convert the the bad feelings into positive energy or positive outlets. So it said, like, for somebody who has really bad anger issues or, you know, has gone through stuff where they get angry, instead of them taking it out on somebody, using displacement or, you know, harming or throwing or whatever, they go to, like, kickboxing or they do, you know football something healthy to get the aggression out something that helps you to release that emotion it's kind of displacement but in a healthy way and you're not necessarily harming that person on purpose because it's a sport or you're you're getting it out in a good way so yeah and then it says Oh, yeah. So that, that was the example that I gave. So it says, for example, a person experiencing extreme anger might take up kickboxing as a means of venting frustration. So if you watched um, the Best Man Holiday, the series, well, not Holiday, but the Best Man series on Peacock, I think it was Peacock, um, the guy, uh, I can't think his name. The, the one that used to have dreads in the first movie, but now he has a cut and he's married to the professor that used to be a stripper. He practiced sublimation because he was very frustrated that his friends treated him like, kind of like that dweeb of the group or weirdo of the group or whatever. And he was like, he wasn't able to express it to them or he didn't express it to them. So he ended up going to boxing and fighting there, which he actually ended up loving to do anyways. But he basically took the anger from that situation and applied it to something healthy rather than maybe taking it out on his wife or fighting some random person and things of that nature. Another thing was, because um, I talked about racism with the displacement, he went through like a racist kind of interaction where um the police had came up to him and they were kind of snapping on him and he kind of held his composure and everything he didn't 
He didn't react. He didn't do anything. And they kind of sunned him in front of his daughters. So he translated that anger and frustration into kickboxing. Well, boxing or whatever. the Kickboxing, boxing, something of that nature. So he got his frustrations out in a healthy way. And that's always good. I know a lot of people when they're going through breakups or they work out. That's sublimation is when you go through something and you work out or you go through something and you like for me, I, I practice sublimation last. Well, starting the podcast um, last year, going through so much emotions with a friend that I was just like, yo, all of this, I could just start a podcast. Like, I'm over here in my emotions, I'm feeling, and, you know, I'm learning so much and everything, so let me turn this into a podcast, rather than, you know, just being over here in my feels, getting depressed and stuff, I turned it into a podcast, so now we're 20 episodes in, what's up, but yeah, that's sublimation, it's turning those negative feelings and that stress and everything into something positive for a positive outcome. So next is projection. Yes. So it says projection is assigning your own unacceptable feelings or qualities to others. So, and it says, for example, if you have a strong dislike for someone, you might instead believe that they do not like you. A lot of people project, I'm convinced a lot of people project uh, when they truly feel something and instead of just saying how they feel, and standing on that shit, they will put it on to another person so that I guess you kind of can confirm. I want to say that's how they explain it. You put it on somebody else so you can confirm what you're feeling anyways. So for that example, if you don't like somebody, but you assume that they don't like you, now you can justify why you treat them like shit or why you snub them or like dub them or whatever I don't know but now you could justify why you doing certain things that you do is because in my mind if I believe that they don't like me then now I can actually act out on my true feelings and just instead of just telling that person that you don't like them or having a real conversation of why you don't like them or whatever the case may be you assume it's them and move off of whatever you assume is them. So yeah, that's projection. It's I think of it just like a projector screen. Like you would be the the base or that puts the image out and then the person would be the screen where you actually see the vision. So you actually had the vision but you put it on them so that it doesn't seem as if you are wrong for projecting, so to speak. So all that kind of made sense, you know. It sounded like it did, but in the event that it didn't, I love y'all anyway. (laughs) But yeah, so that's projection. But a lot of people do, a lot of people project. A lot of people. I want to say the biggest projection that people talk about nowadays is when people be like, Oh, I know he only date white girls or I know like he only well or like I know she she won't date me because I'm short or something like that or 
something along the lines of that because you have some type of insecurity or some type of feelings or whatever the case may be you now put it on somebody else instead of just figuring out what's going on i think it's it's a a way that our mind chooses to defend so that you can justify whatever you're feeling in that moment which it ain't even probably right majority of the time but you place it on somebody else but it in my opinion it comes back to to like you just can't have a conversation or you can't do that introspection work so now you got to place it on somebody else um i have like i have battled with this a little bit like i am the the person to be quick and be like oh yeah i know he only like white girls or (laughs) you know stuff like that you know projecting but then it's and it's another word for that too don't remember what that word is but i know it fits into the realm of projection um but it's kind of like an insecure like why do you think that he only likes whatever or maybe is that projection it might be another one but that sounds right and if y'all don't think it's right Forgive me. I y'all, I really be going off the top of my head and throwing all this stuff as I go. So sounds right. <laughs> but yeah, so but yeah. I would think that would be projection. Like just assuming that the person doesn't like a certain person because of how they look. When in reality you think that they don't I don't know, y'all. Let me move on. I gave y'all the definition. Y'all come up with y'all own examples and keep an eye out for those projectors because they got to work on not putting their thoughts on the other people. Um, Next is going to be intellectualization. And it says thinking about, oh, intellectualization. (laughs) And then it says thinking about stressful things in a clinical way And then it says this defense mechanism allows us to avoid thinking about the stressful aspect, um, emotional aspect of the situation and instead focus only on the intellectual component. So the example that they provided on the website was say somebody was diagnosed with cancer um, instead of them actually feeling what they feel, they focus so much on like, okay, they do all the research like okay if i do chemo like what will this lead to or you know what are the different ways we could get rid of like they start doing research instead of just really embracing what was told to them or what they're feeling low-key take it back to the mental sphere um (laughs) and the only reason why i say the mental sphere is because they're the the group that are the most defensive i'd say now Maybe if somebody named the women's side of things and we they were actually talking nowadays, I would be able to kind of go to the women's side of things. So I don't want to see like I only targeting the men. It's just the women collective is not necessarily as loud as the manosphere these days. So that's why I kind of go to them because I can pick out more of their discrepancies because they're more talked about than the women. I guess the feminists would be the opposite of the manosphere, but 
Yeah. Needless to say, I think the men of Seer, a lot of them intellectualize uh, in the sense of they only care about logic now. There is no emotion. Like, what is emotion? <laughs> like, and it's crazy because I feel like they they do try to tell people that it's okay to feel. But the way in which they be telling people how to feel sometimes just seems like there's no emotion. Like, you really got to just come to the table and be like, a robot and you literally just gotta know facts and figures and everything like life works that way and it really does not like you're gonna feel with every situation that you're in even for the guy that may go after these young younger women or for the guy that you know i don't know gets a submissive girl there's always gonna be some type of emotion that comes into it because as humans, we can pull at each other's heartstrings in ways that are unimaginable. So I feel like a lot of them intellectualize because they probably went through something when they were younger um, and they didn't like the way that it felt <laughs> or their brain didn't like the way that it felt. So it's like, now let's focus on how women and men interact and, you know, the, the, science of everything and it's only facts and this is the percentages and all this stupid shit that who cares like once you start dealing with people all that shit kind of goes out the window so more people should be teaching how to balance emotions and the intellectual side of everything but it's like they be so focused on the stats and the figures and you know the divorce rates and all this other stuff it's like what the fuck does that mean when a person is actually going through this? Like, what does it really mean when they're going through this? Like, so there, I, I think a lot of them, their the biggest defense mechanism is intellectualization. And that's not good. Because if you act like emotions ain't there because you only focus on the logical side of things, the emotion gonna come out in other ways. Like, all of these... The bad thing about them is when they come up, if you don't ever address the problem, it's going to come out in other ways. It's going to come out in terrible ways. And that's the last thing you want is for it to materialize into other things that you didn't intend for it to do. So focus on both sides. I think intellectualization can be okay for half of the whatever's being presented to you, the other half is feeling it, addressing it, processing it, and going through it. It doesn't hurt to know divorce rates and all this other stuff, but you also need to know feelings and how to manage those feelings and how to go through those feelings and not only focus so much on the logic that when you actually go out into the world, somebody hit your ass like a ton of bricks and now you don't know how to handle everything. And I think that's, a little bit where the mental sphere kind of like loses is they focus so much on the logical side that they forget that the yin and the yang of a woman and a man all that shit kind of go out the window like it's hard to be logic when you're in a relationship it's really hard to be logical it's hard to be logical when you're dating when you're going out and getting around people like it's so hard to be logical especially if you come across that right person that person that really makes you be like, mm, that's that, that's that one. Like, it's so hard. 
there's a reason why OnlyFans models and everything are rich and all this other stuff. Like, there's a reason why fuckboys are still, like, the most popular because outside of, like, we know, logically, you shouldn't go after these people. But emotionally, it's a whole completely different thing. So it's like a lot of them focus only on the logical side and they forget about the emotional side that they end up, I think, low-key leading people in the wrong direction. So that's what I see it a lot at is the manosphere. But it probably shows up in other places. Again, maybe with people who come across um, illnesses or diseases or things of that nature where you can just do research, do research and don't necessarily feel what you're feeling like and be able to express what you're feeling. Like you're literally just sticking to robot type shit and you can only be a robot so long before your brain is just like, okay, you got to feel something now. Um, But next is going to be rationalization. And then it says justifying an unacceptable feeling or behavior with logic. And then it says rationalization not only prevents anxiety, but it may also protect self-esteem and self-concept. In a sense of rationalization is when you kind of give an excuse to why something didn't happen. In my opinion, like when I was reading through it, it just sounds like an excuse as to why something happened in your life or didn't happen in your life, you rationalize it um, so that you don't feel worse about the situation. Like, I low-key, I have to do this all the time with dudes. <laughs> That's my defense mechanism is rationalizing. I have to rationalize because my brain will be over here going, like, very anxious, like, going through the motions, and I have to rationalize and be like, okay, maybe the reason he didn't call back was because of da-da-da-da. Or maybe the reason why... He's not talking to me right now. It's because da-da-da. Like, and then it doesn't help because sometimes you don't get to know the answer of why you don't get a response or why people ghost or whatever the case may be. So rationalization to me sometimes is very helpful because instead of, like it says, it helps to protect self-esteem and self-concept. So rather than thinking you're the problem, you give an excuse as to why, like, is the why shit happened that you can't necessarily get the answers to, especially that ghosting shit. That ghosting shit, you probably have to rationalize like a motherfucker. Like, cause you'll never know. They disappear, don't give you an explanation, nothing. They just deuces and back up and leave out your life. So rationalization probably plays a lot into when people just disappear out your life or when they flake on you or whatever the case may be, where you can't get a real answer or have a real conversation, you probably rationalize, which I don't think is bad. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad. But now, like, in a sense of, if you rationalize so much that you continue to do the same behavior and keep getting the same results, I think that's when it's bad. So, like, for me, if I was to keep going after the dudes I knew were going to be flaky and abandoned like trigger my abandonment stuff i can't continue to rationalize because now i keep putting myself in situations where i'm forcing my mind to have to defend me you know instead of like i'm aware that i rationalize but now let me find somebody that 
I don't have to rationalize for. Let me find somebody that is emotionally intelligent or can communicate effectively so that I'm not over here rationalizing for their poor behavior, you know, or their behavior or anybody's behavior. So I feel like that's what rationalization is supposed to do. It's supposed to help you to not put yourself in the same situations. So don't rely too much on it. I feel like it definitely can be helpful. Don't rely too much on it because you can end up doing the same thing over and over again. And you'll start to think that you're not the problem and other people are the problem. And you never want to lose prob- like power like that. So be careful with rationalization. Again, it's helpful in some circumstances, but if you notice the same thing keep happening over and over again, you got to keep making the same excuses for that person over and over again or for people over and over again, like now you're the problem. Figure out what the problem is so that you can solve it. So you ain't got to keep rationalizing bullshit-ass behavior. So, yeah. Then regression. It says reverting to earlier behaviors. Um, So I think that I... I don't think I'm as bad it, or it could depend on the conversation, but I definitely was bad previously with crying. They say that women use crying for manipulative reasonings, but I don't even think it's that simple. I think that a lot of us probably regress, um, which is why we cry. And there's probably some men who regress too. Um, but they definitely explain like crying and stuff when you get a certain amount of like certain news you you regress um and because we know that crying is our first line of communication um so you regress to old behaviors um it also explains some other stuff um pertaining to like different developmental stages um and if if you got stuck at a certain developmental stage as you were growing up you could regress to that and that shows in your behavior or whatever so it says some people that may be fixated on uh, the the oral stage, which is, I want to say, from like zero months to like a couple months or whatever, you're relying on your mouth. So a lot of people who go through trauma or stuff, they say that they'll start eating or they'll start biting their nails or they'll start doing stuff around their mouth because they're fixated in that developmental stage. So they'll regress back there. Um, and then that's kind of how that shows up in life. So if you're somebody who probably overeats or, you know, you're, you have an unhealthy attachment to food or to biting your nails or to smoking or things of that nature, it was saying that you may be stuck in the oral stage of development. I don't know how to get unstuck from there besides going to therapy and figuring out how to get unstuck from there, but that may be where your brain is kind of stuck at, which is why you tend to do stuff around the mouth. And there's other developmental stages, but I don't want to go too much into that and confuse everybody. But um, but yeah, so regression is basically doing behaviors that you would have did when you were younger as an adult, when you come across stress. Um, I know my biggest one is um, crying. That's, that's my biggest one. And I try, y'all, if y'all only knew... People be like, and it's crazy because they really do be like women manipulate the situation by crying. It's like, if only y'all knew, like, some of us really don't be crying on purpose. Like, I, for me, crying is my last resort 
in my mind. Now it might be the first resort when, when we're in conflict, but in my mind, it's the last resort. I hate crying because people are so yeah, when you cry, like they are so unwelcoming, they're so judgmental, they're so everything. So, like that'd be like the last resort. And I'm sure that's a lot of people out there. That's their last resort is crying, but that's their first result in general. So it's like give people grace when they regress. Like, don't be unwelcoming. So I wish people would stop saying like women manipulate when they're crying. Now, is it some women that may do that? I don't know. It may be. There's somebody out there that does something, uh, a little bit of everything. But to to always say that women use crying as manipulation, like, if only you were in our brains, like, my brain be like, bitch, don't cry, don't cry. And I'd be damned if I cry. Like, it's sometimes so uncontrollable that you can't help it. Um, so that's why I feel like that's probably regression. Um, and low-key, it could be a little bit of manipulation in the sense of when we were younger, when we cried, that's usually when we got attention. So it might be manipulation on accident because our brain is trying to protect us because when you cry, it usually signals to the person around you to protect or to save or to fix or whatever. Our brain is lit, y'all, like for real. If you really think about what the brain really does, that actually makes a lot of sense as to why you may cry in certain situations because it's going to tell the other person to like shut it down, like something's wrong, like fix what's going on. Like, But I feel like some people say that it's manipulative because it'll stop the conversation from happening. But I want to let y'all know, like we don't have to stop the conversation. We can actually keep going. I would wholeheartedly love if you keep going through the conversation with me or the, just the disagreement or whatever. If I start crying, keep going. But it's my brain trying to protect me. But keep going. Now, for other people, you might want to ask them if it's okay to keep going. But for me, if I start crying with you, it's not because I'm trying to manipulate the situation. It's really my brain's defense. First line of defense is to cry so just keep going so we can finish the conversation but yeah so um lastly of the 10 is called reaction formation so it says replacing an unwanted impulse with its opposite um in a sense of i want to say it said like the example on the website was if you don't like somebody you'll come to work and be really nice to them i don't even know why that is a thing but it's a thing where you do the opposite of how you're feeling so if you're happy with somebody maybe you'll treat them oh you know what that makes me think of like when you're like younger and they always said like the boy that picked on you or the girl that picked on you actually liked you i wonder if that's where we learn that stupid shit I wonder if that's where we learn that to do the opposite um, of what we're really feeling. Because I, I would hear that a lot. It's like, oh, if they picked on you or whatever, they really liked you. But I wonder how that, de like, how that developed. Oh, maybe it's your brain like, okay, because if I, if I pick on her, but I really like her, then maybe I don't have to face rejection because she's not going to like me anyways. 
ooh, ooh. Or like if I if I actually don't like somebody, but I'm really nice to them. then I necessarily won't ever have to deal with the backlash of not liking somebody. I don't know. Y'all, our brain, like, once you start really going into stuff and learning about the brain, you really be like, yo, our brain be on a whole nother level. Like, you be like, what? You really in there doing that? Like, you that lit? She that lit. Well, she that lit. Maybe yours is a he. She that lit. She that lit, but okay. So I'm gonna go to go through the last ten kind of fast because we're getting up there in time. <laughs> um, so it says that uh, for the first of the common but not key um, defense mechanisms is acting out. So um, it says that coping with stress by engaging in actions rather than acknowledging and bearing certain feelings. For example, instead of telling someone that you are angry with them, you might yell at them or throw something against the wall. Acting like a big ass baby is what that sounds like. Instead of using your words, you lash out or act like act out like they said. Like it's use your words. Use your words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Use your words. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people act out. And not just kids. Big ass grown ass adults act out. Catch yourself when you're acting out. Don't just yell at people and stuff. Trust me, I've been working so hard to calm down my tone and everything of that nature. So if I could do it and y'all like, if you know anybody around me or if you could talk to anybody around me, everybody knows my tone gets crazy. But that, like I said, my family is a yelling family. If they knew how to stop acting out, then maybe we wouldn't learn it. But if I can work on it, y'all can work on it too. So next is going to be aim inhibitions. And it says accepting a modifying form of their original goal. An example of this would be becoming a higher school basketball. Oh, wait. Becoming a high school basketball coach rather than a professional athlete. Um, So basically lowering your goals, like you shot for the – you shot for the moon, but landed among the stars type of thing. <laughs> I feel like that's what that is um, when, like, that quote, like, shoot for the moon. But if you don't make it to the moon, you landed amongst the stars. But I feel like that is, it's good and bad. It's good in the sense of you protect yourself from thinking about the bad things, but it's bad because why are you not getting to the moon? Why are you only making it at the stars? So I would say use this, but sparingly in the sense of if you notice every goal you shoot for, you only make it maybe 75% of the way. Like why? Like what is really stopping you from getting all the way to the moon? Why do you keep landing amongst the stars? Like that's that like you should be figuring out how to make it further. You should be figuring out why, like what is stopping you from getting to the moon. Don't rely so much on the fact that I can cope by just doing the second level versus getting to the first level. You know, if that makes sense, I feel like 
it does but to me i don't know <laughs> y'all know y'all gotta bear with me um but next is altruism it says satisfying internal needs through helping others for example someone recovering from substance use might volunteer to help others in recovery as a way to deal with the drug cravings altruism is good um i don't necessarily know if there's a sense of doing too much good. So altruism is one of those healthy defense mechanisms. Um, I know that with um, the drug thing or like alcoholics, that's why a lot of people become sponsors or, um, you know, when strippers make it out, they try and go back and help other strippers to figure out how to get out sooner or to do better with the, the time that they have so they don't have to end up doing what they did type of thing. Like, I don't, something along the lines of you were in that space, so now you're trying to go back and help other people in that space. You know? Altruistic. Um, that's honestly what I do here a little bit. Um, everything I go through was tough. And so I was able to kind of process some of this stuff, figure out some of this stuff, and pass it along to y'all. Altruistic. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that was a coping me mechanism. Well, okay, it kind of would make sense, you know, is I was, I was going through some stuff, so now I fight hard to try to help other people from not going through it, but in the process of me trying to help them not go through it, I'm, like, avoiding it myself, because you kind of got to hold yourself accountable, because if you're trying to help other people, you got to make sure you don't hurt, mm, brain. That makes sense. Okay. Next is avoidance. Refusing to deal with or encounter unpleasant objects or situations. For example, rather than discuss a problem with someone, you might simply start avoiding them altogether so you don't have to deal. A lot of people avoid. That's what ghosting is. Stop avoiding people. If you don't like that person, just say that. I really wish people would just be honest. Honestly, if we as a people care more about the people around us, when we come into contact with them, instead of ghosting or ignoring or not talk, like give them constructive criticism, give them feedback or whatever. Maybe some situations are not like safe enough for you to, you know, not avoid. But if you can safely come back and give somebody constructive criticism or help them so that they become a better person for the next person, why not do that? We are so individually mind, like mindset focused that we don't help around the people that that are around us. Ghosting could be such a Think of the past if we thought of it as like instead of just dipping out because that person just did what didn't align with me. Okay, maybe explain to them like what was off or what was not working or what didn't work for you. I don't know, but avoidance is childish. Don't avoid unless it's unsafe. Other than that, you shouldn't avoid. You should be direct and let people know what's going on. Just do that. People avoid stuff to have those real conversations. What? Because of because of what? Have that real conversation. Don't just avoid it because I think that's a bitch move. And in all honesty, again, unless it's unsafe, it's a bitch move. And that's probably why it's a defense mechanism because you 
start not trying to deal with whatever emotions are going to come with you being real with somebody. Um, next is compensation. Um, overachieving, uh, overachieving in one area to compensate for failures in another. For example, someone who feels insecure academically might compensate by excelling in athletics. Oh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. That is a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people are focusing so much on making money and all this other stuff because they lack in maybe communication or whatever the case may be. A lot of people compensate today. They overcompensate, honestly. That hyper-focus on money because you're lacking somewhere else or you hyper-focus on something because you're lacking somewhere else, it's like, be well-rounded. Don't overcompensate. But I think that it's a defense mechanism because your brain is aware that you're lacking in something and probably the, the emotions that you feel because you're lacking in something causes you to focus on something else completely different. Um, but it's like, nah, nah, nah. Focus on it all so that you can be well-rounded um, because that's how you run into more problems is when you've only been focused on money that's the only one I can think of because that's the only one I feel like everybody's focused on today is money, 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 money. Like money, money, money. Like instead of trying to figure out how to be good at every aspect, we're so focused on getting the most money so that we can have houses and cars and all this other stuff to show off, but you're lacking in other areas. Go fix those other areas so that when you do get to, to the cars and stuff, you actually want to share it off and well share it and not show it off like and be showy you know um next is dissociation becoming separated or removed from your experiences when dealing with something stressful for example you might mentally and emotionally disengage yourself from the situation um dissociation it immediately makes me think of people that are trafficked um I feel like low-key they have to dissociate when they're uh, or sex traffic, let's say that, when they're in the the sex type of stuff, because there's no way you could be fully engaged. There's there's no way. I feel like they probably have to dissociate in those moments. Um uh, in any situation kind of along that nature where it is so emotionally straining that you just have to remove yourself from the situation so that you can do it. Um that's probably a lot of people making money online too. A lot of people are doing like clown shit for money uh, online for views and all this other stuff. So I think a lot of people are dissociating at this point. <laughs> like I really do. I don't. I don't think anybody is is really. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are dissociating, which is not healthy at all. At all. Yeah. Um, next is fantasy. Um, it says avoiding reality be, uh, avoiding reality by retreating to a safe place within your mind. When something in your life is causing anxiety, you might retreat to your inner world where the cause of the stress cannot harm you. Um, Low-key, I feel like that's probably like what gamers kind of do. Um, and not necessarily it's in their mind, but it's in front of them. So they probably, a lot of gamers probably have that fantasy where they just kind of get lost in the the fantasy of the game. 
that they don't necessarily have to worry about the world. I know for me, that's why I binge watch shows sometimes um, is to just to get away from the world. Like I get lost in other people's world, so I don't got to deal with this world. Um, and I know that's a little different than how it is explained, but for me, that's my fantasy is watching shows and not necessarily YouTube or anything like that, but like Netflix, like the fiction shows and all this other stuff. I get lost in their world. So I ain't got to think about my own because this world right here, she be all over the place. So yeah, I think I do a little fantasy here and there um, when I got to escape from the realism of this world. Um, it says humor, painting out the funny or ironic aspects of a situation. An example of this might be cracking a joke in a stressful or traumatic situation. Yo, when I tell you black people have relied on this, they've relied on this. This should be the top 10 in the top 10 for black people. Black people literally go to humor for everything. Like they go to humor. And I think sometimes it's detrimental because you end up running away from what's really going on because you laugh about everything. Like you get so stuck in humor that you forget about any other emotion. So I think that humor can be good, especially, you know, people that become comedians and things of that nature. But if you never process emotion and you only try to make it funny, when you have those still moments when you're just inside, everything's going to be funny. So I think for the black community, humor has become our biggest defense mechanism but it's sometimes very detrimental or it can end up being very detrimental. We can't laugh at everything. Everything is not laugh worthy. Some things really need to be talked about, expressed, figure out how to get through it. And then maybe after you figure out how to get through it or you've gotten through it, now you can laugh at it. But to immediately laugh, then to like go through whatever, is really bad. And I know a lot of people develop humor in elementary school, middle school, like black people love roasting on each other. But you know, the crazy thing is, is like, you're not even thinking about, okay, you're talking about somebody's shoes. What if that, that person came to school in these shoes because their parents don't have the money because, you know, their mom is a single mom and there's a whole bunch of kids and you know, all this stuff could be happening in their life, but you came and joked on them. So now they have to joke back on you or maybe that that joke turned into other defense mechanisms that are unhealthy or whatever the case may be. So I just think sometimes humor can be detrimental. And so is there's a time and a place for it. I, I really feel like humor, there's a time and a place for it. But we've become so reliant on it that it's hard to kind of separate it from our our culture. Our culture is based upon laughing at people and laughing at ourselves. But again, if you can't get down to the real nitty gritty, if you can't express to people how you're feeling or you can't go through your thoughts without having to find something funny about it, like there's a problem. So yeah. Um, next is passive aggressive. Uh, which we talked about last week as a communication style, but it's also a defense mechanism. 
um, in a sense of, like I explained last week, that passive person probably held it in so long that now they're just like, okay, it has to come out in some way. So now your brain is like defending you, but in a rude way um, to where now you're being sarcastic or it's, it says an uh, example is actually the silent treatment. I wouldn't even thought the silent treatment would have been passive aggressive, but that kind of makes sense a little bit. If you're just walking around ignoring people, that makes sense. Instead of just telling people what's on your mind. Yeah, but if you want to learn more about passive aggressive, go check last week's because that's what we talked about in the communication styles. Um, and then next is, or lastly, is undoing. Trying to make up for what you feel are inappropriate thoughts, feelings, or behaviors. For example, if you hurt someone's feelings, you might offer to do something nice for them to uh, assuage your anxiety or guilt. I feel like I didn't say that right, but in the event that I didn't, oh well. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I don't know how that one would actually be bad, to be honest. Unless maybe you never talked about it with the person and now you're just trying to like do nice things, but y'all never really had a conversation about the wrongdoing, then that might be bad. But if y'all had a conversation, then doing something nice for somebody you wronged, I wouldn't think is bad. But I'm thinking maybe it's a defense mechanism so that you don't have to have that conversation about why you treated them like an ass white. So maybe that's why it's a defense mechanism is because you did something bad, y'all never had a conversation, but now you come back and you're trying to make up for something you did wrong. In a sense of, I would think of it like um, somebody in an abusive relationship, um, the dude hit them, but then instead of them having a conversation, they buy a ring or buy jewelry or clothes or something like that, um, which is really terrible. Um, and it's really, yeah. When I put it with that example, it made it seem really bad. Um, so, but yeah, I think that's what undoing is where you do something really terrible, but you try to backdoor it with something good. So y'all don't have to have that real conversation or you don't have to do the real work to figure out what the hell wrong with you. Yeah, fix it. Fix you. Okay, now let me read through the rest of this. It says, while all defense mechanisms can be unhealthy, they can also be adaptive and allow us to function normally. For example, altruism, humor, sublimation, and suppression um, are four mature defense mechanisms that signal higher ad adaptiveness. Oh, so they actually said suppression is good. Mm. Or maybe it's how they presented to people. I don't know. It says suppression is mature. To, to force your mind to forget about it, though? I don't know. I get, maybe it depends on the situation. Let's say that. Maybe it depends on the situation. That suppression may be good. Um, but yeah, definitely sublimation. We know that's doing something and uh, that comes out in a healthy way. Uh, altruism, something that comes out in a healthy way. Humor, like I said, for people who are comedians and things of that nature, it can be, it can be healthy. Um, I think again, too much humor 
can cross the line because not everybody want to laugh all the time. Not everybody think everything funny. So you could be trying to lighten the mood, but for somebody else, you could really be stepping on their toes. So humor for everything is not always the best, but they said it's mature. So, um, and then it says develop greater self-awareness. Um, oh, these are ways to, to know about the defense mechanisms or what to, to help with not using them so much, I guess. Um, so it says develop greater self-awareness. Like we already know, do introspection um, to figure out why are you so defensive or why are you stuck in these different defense mechanisms with certain people? Cause maybe you don't do this with everybody. Maybe certain people, you just know you finna be passive aggressive. Why? Do that self introspection work and, you know, work on that. And then it says self-awareness helps you identify when you may be using one or more defense mechanisms too often. Once you take this step, you know where you need to make changes, like I just said. Then it says, learn effective coping skills. If you have an unhealthy defense mechanism, learning new coping skills can help you better deal with uncomfortable emotions. Coping skills include meditation, establish healthy boundaries, and asking for support. So actually, next week, I'm going to talk about coping skills because we all need to be able to cope in a healthy way. And we all know that there's some unhealthy ass ways of coping. So I'm going to talk about that next week. Um, and then lastly is seek mental health um, therapy. And it says psychoanalytic therapy can help you uncover your unconscious defense mechanisms and find better. Oh, I might need to do that and find better healthy or ways of coping with anxiety and stress. So we all know that there's different types of, um, therapies. And if you didn't know, now you know. So they say psychoanalytic therapy is the best therapy for unconscious things like your defense mechanisms and probably other things. Um, so definitely if you're able to look into therapy, do so. And that's one of the ones that help. I know a lot of people like cognitive behavioral therapy too. Um, I don't necessarily know if it helps with defense mechanisms, but I know they say CBT is very helpful as well. But therapy in general is really helpful. It, it's always nice to have somebody on the outside looking in that can be able to help you, help to guide you. Because they don't necessarily give you the answers or tell you what to do. They help you to, they help to guide you. Low-key, I feel like they're kind of like the the neck in your head. Like when it comes to like, when they be like, oh, the woman is the neck and the the, per the man is the head. Well, the therapist is the neck and you are the head in that without the neck, you can't really turn where to go and stuff. So they kind of provide that kind of assistance. Um, so therapy is always great, but that's gonna be the defense mechanisms. Um, be cognitive again. The biggest thing about these is just pay attention when you're doing them. And of course, you can call people out when they're doing them. But honestly, if you can't catch yourself, you shouldn't be calling out nobody else because then you're a hypocrite. Um, but yeah, so catch yourself, figure out why you're defensive in this moment, communicate that, um, or figure out how to cope in healthier ways. Again, like some of these are healthy, but we definitely have coping skills that are healthy that we can rely on a bit more than being defensive. Um, but, you know, if you can't 
get rid of all of them because that's not logical. I think our brain is literally set to defend us, at least try to do the healthier defense mechanisms rather than the unhealthy ones. Don't displace uh, stuff. Don't, um, don't be in denial. Don't repress. Well, repression we can't control. But um, yeah, don't project. Don't intellectualize all types of stuff. Don't do that. Be self-aware so that you can move healthy, move better, you know? <laughs> so yeah, um, hopefully this is helpful. That's what I try to be is helpful. Like I said, it's, this stuff is definitely helping me. And it's cool to really just know that our brain be lit for real. Like we really are so powerful and it's only like these little things that you really get to see like how powerful your mind is. And then even in dealing with people, you get to see how powerful your mind is, but it's nice to learn about your brain, to work with your brain rather than against your brain. Cause I let, I think when we're unconscious about a lot of things, we're working against our brain um, because we don't necessarily want to do certain things. So I'd rather work with it. Um, so that we can we can be lit, you know, and not downgrading or de declining. Yes, declining. So yeah. So I'm gonna end this here. Like I said, next week we're gonna be talking about coping skills because I feel like it's gonna flow right into um, this conversation. Um, but yeah, so this is Talk Your Shit with Asia, where we drop the eye, because not only can I talk my shit, but I want you to talk your shit too. And I will tune in and see y'all next week. Um, but before I leave out, let me do this social media stuff. So like, comment, subscribe, and then check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And then you can follow me on TikTok, Facebook, well, yeah, and Instagram. Yeah, so yeah. I'll tune in with y'all next Wednesday. Bye.